0: I'm Bobby Kimball. My wife and I have been going here for just a little over a year and so grateful for the body of believers and the staff that God has drawn us to. Uh, Let's let's read together. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendants of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it, or with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless. Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant, did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces hers, says to the Lord God of Israel, Cover cover his garments with violence says the lord of hosts so guard yourselves and your spirit and do not and do not be faithless
1: good morning everybody how's everybody doing Okay, give us just a minute. They're gonna grab my table here in a second. And I guess setting up the TV and all. I only only have one slide, but the TV will help. So uh, that'll be good. Now, if you notice when you walked in, we still have um, the Find Your Place going on this week. Again, I would encourage you uh, to go and find a place to serve. Uh, All all the times that I've grown, I've I've grown in knowledge. I've grown in, in experience walking with God, but it's when I serve the Lord, that I find that his power is so real that he is able to use me in such a way that he can glorify himself if I'm willing to submit myself to him. And so I'd encourage you, find a place to serve. If you're not serving, uh, you will experience the joy of the Lord in doing that, and you will experience the opportunities that is within the body of Christ with one another and how that we work together for the sake of the gospel. The people opening the door, have a mission, just as much as me standing here teaching the word, and that is to encourage one another that we might walk after Christ, that we might learn to follow after Jesus. So I'd encourage you to do that. The other thing I'd like to encourage you about this morning is this is kind of our last day of, uh, well, it's the last day for Find Your Place as well, but it's the last day of our budget vote. So you've probably have had some of the sheets out there in in your seats for our budget. Um, If you're a member of NBC, I'd encourage you uh, to vote uh, on the budget, uh, you can go out here, to the, just out these doors, there's a table there uh, where you can ask questions if you have a question, uh, where you can place your vote, where you can actually go online to our, to our website, nbcchurch.com, and you can vote, vote there. You can do that right now if you want to and get that done, but, um, but we didn't, I'd encourage you to go ahead and get that in there and get that done. Now, that's just kind of a little bit of business, wasn't it? Uh, Now we get the opportunity to stand around and learn and hear from God and hear what his word has to to say to us. I will confess to you today that uh, there have been moments of of, uh, of, uh, uncertainty this week as I prepared for this message, because I'm convinced that probably everybody in this room, uh, this message will impact you one way or the other. God's word does that anyway. But in regards to the subject, when we're talking about things like marriage, when we're talking about divorce, when we're talking about remarriage, when we're talking about those things, those are difficult things to discuss. And the reality is, is what we have to do and what we gotta remember. (laughs) In fact, this week I was sitting there with the Lord and I was just like, Lord, can we just kind of jump past this, this section? And uh, he reminded me who is the king and who is the servant. And the servant uh, has to be uh, obedient to the king, whether we realize that or not. And the thing that the the Lord really instructed me, and it's something I teach, and it's something I've said, is that my way of thinking has to come in line with God's way of thinking. And so many times we wanna take what God has revealed and bring it in line to the way that we think. And so this morning as we approach God's word, I just want you to know that with, uh, 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 with great prayer and, and asking the Lord that, he, that we may fear him this morning and learn from him this morning, and that in those areas of our lives that, that God by his spirit may be willing to touch, that we would have hearts that are ready to hear. Um, The thing I'm most thankful about, my God, and I think this every time I think of my salvation, I think of this every time I think of my life and the foolishness of it at times. Uh, I'm just thankful for his grace and for his mercy and how he restores and he builds us up, even sometimes in our own foolishness, and he still does that. He still, if we will bend our hearts, if we have a brokenness towards him, He will do things in our lives that are incredible. And so this morning I asked that of him. I asked that he would speak to us. There's seven times in these passages that we looked at today where the word faithless is used. And in fact, if you looked in verse 10, he said, why then are we faithless to one another? And really the theme of this message is, why then are we faithless? And even asking that question is kind of provocative, right? Like, I mean, immediately, there's this stirring up of a controversy, like, why am I faithless? What have I done, (laughs) you know? Um, It implies, in the context, uh, wrongdoing, inconsistency, and faithlessness. And none of us want to have those tags on our lives. And yet, if we're honest, when we look before the Almighty God, we find that we, we find that we have to submit ourselves to him, for how, how else can we be faithful without the work of God in our lives? Unless we understand the power of the relationship that we have with God through his son, Jesus Christ, by the grace that he has given us, that we walk and we stand in his grace, unless we understand the power of that truth, then how, how should we live? We can only live and be faithless. Uh, faithfulness comes as a result of that relationship that we have with our God. So this morning as we approach the text, I'm just, uh, if you know me, I'm brutally honest sometimes and um, I'm just as brutally honest with myself and um, uh, this today, I just think that as we open the word, we ask God to speak to us, so let's pray. Father God, we come before you and God, I ask you, I ask you, Father, to speak to us, your people, I always, I always think when it comes to things that are so emotional, things that we care about, that, Father, sometimes it's, it's hard to kind of think through things. Sometimes we make decisions in our lives and, and, and we don't always take time to really look at the intricacies of your text and understand the, your heart about things like marriage. And so, Father, we ask today that you would speak to us. That, Father, you would go past all of my inabilities and sometimes, Father, my bluntness, sometimes my own sins. And that, Father, you would just you would just speak to us. That our hearts would be bent towards you and our hearts would be ready to hear. That we might grow in your, in your grace and we might grow in the knowledge of your son. That, Father, we might honor you. That we might fear you. That we might have hearts for you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So in this passage, in verses 10 and 12 and and following, we have this idea, then why are we faithless? What is is that going on? And when we talk about this, it's in, in the fundamental aspect of this passage, it's in the context of marriage. It's about how much God, and I want us to emphasize this, it's about how much God, cares about the covenant that he instituted and called marriage. God deeply cares about the union of a man and a woman. And when he talks about this aspect and he looks at this, and when we look at this through Malachi and what we see, we begin to realize here in the first two chapters, well, chapter 1 through chapter ten, uh, chapter 2 and verse 10, up to verse 10, He's been dealing with this vertical relationship that we have with God. A lot of times I hear this idea that, you know, oh, God's so loving, right? And therefore God is accepting. And yet when I back up to this passage and I look in Malachi, what we've looked at so far in the very first week we looked at was the question whereby the people of God were asking him, how have you loved us? And God says to them, I love you. Why? Because I chose you. I cared about you so much and I demonstrated my love towards you. God demonstrating his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still in our iniquities, Christ died for us, that he might redeem us from sin and death and make us alive. Has God loved us? Absolutely. So in the context that we're dealing with here this morning in Malachi, we're seeing the love of God. In the context of what we're dealing with, God turned it on him and said, well, how have you loved me? Where is my honor? I mean, you pay honor to a governor. You pay honor. But am I not the great king? Where is my honor? Where is the fear of God? Where is the awe of God and who I am? And the people were so casual about their relationship to God. And he begins to challenge them. Thank God God loves us enough not to leave us in our iniquity. Thank God that he loves us enough that he doesn't leave us in darkness to walk after darkness, but he calls us out of darkness that we might experience his blessing in our lives. And so the next thing he began to deal with the priests, we looked at that last week, and all of the people, if you would, and he's talking about their hearts for God. Where are their hearts? Where have your hearts gone? Where they are for God. Do you have a heart for him? He says, if God has our heart, he has everything. If he has our heart, he has our words. And if we're abiding in him and we're abiding in Christ and his words are abiding in us, and if his words are abiding in us, then God is impacting others through us. So the vertical is so important. And if the vertical's messed up, you know what else is messed up? The horizontal. And the first thing he walks into of all the relationships is what? Marriage. It's an incredible picture. When we so many times use excuses to accept certain things because God is so loving. Well, God loved us enough not to allow us to continue in darkness, but to call us out. In fact, in this chapter three, he says, return to me that I may return to you. Because there have been a, because of that vertical that had begun taking place that whereby they became so casual about it and, and so, so careless about their relationship with God that there had been a distance made between them and God and their relationship. And it began to impact all of the other relationships that they had within Israel. So when we walk into this text today, we need to understand the importance of what God says and believes about marriage and if there's not a strong relationship with God then then there's no hope for the horizontal relationships in our lives and I just pray I pray that we learn from the Lord today so in Malachi chapter 2 verses 10 through 16 we are basically dealing with what God desires within the context of marriage and our faithfulness to it and to him So verses 10 and 12, he says, or 10 through 12, he says, have we not all one Father? Has God created us? Is that true? Dear people of God, we should be yelling amen right now. That is true. That is true. Remember, amen means it is true. It is true. That's what amen means. It is true. And I love to hear amens. I love to hear it. Why? Because I believe that if you're affirming the truth of God's word, later this week, you're going to still be affirming that truth. And so many times what we do is we hear things and we take it casually and we don't think of the reality of it is in our lives. So sometimes there's times when we need to just say amen. God, it is true. So how has he not, have we not all one father? He's not talking about Abraham here. He's talking about God. Has has not one God created us? He has created us. And the question becomes, then why are we faithless to one another? Why? And he goes on, profaning the covenant of our fathers. Judah has been faithless and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings offering to the Lord of hosts. There's a couple of things here that blew me away. One, he talks about faithless, abomination, profaned. You think God cares about our relationship with our spouse? He definitely does. First First and foremost, when we talk about the relationship that we have with our husband or with our wife, the first thing we must understand is that we must be faithful to God. It starts there. We need to understand one of the reasons why marriage is so sacred to God is because marriage describes the most important relationship we can have outside of our relationship with the Lord. And so God has designed marriage to be at the center. And listen to me here. <laughs> Some of you may not agree today, and we're just going to get—we're just going to have fun. Um, God has designed marriage to be at the center of the health of the home, of the church, of our community, and of our nation. And the crumbling of our society is because we've forgotten the importance of the relationship of a husband and a wife and the health it provides in the home, in the raising of our children, and in the community that we live And the country that we live in, it is important. So whether you're here this morning and you're married, you're single, you've been divorced, remarried, all of those situations, the thing that we need to learn from God's word is we need to understand the matter in which we need to live and his view of marriage and the importance of it in our lives. That giving our heart to God that God is able to restore. It. And we're going to talk about this in a minute. God is able to restore. He's able to build up. That the reality is, where is our hearts for the Lord? The ways of the Father are perfect, are they not? Are they not true and without error? Which we need to understand in His design and His perfection of what He has done in the relationship of marriage. So when we look at verse 10, the point of verse 10 that God is our creator and he, we have one father, father means that God's people all have the same one. In fact, what it's talking about is it means that all people deserve to be treated with respect and honor because we all are going to stand before God. That person you judge, you're going to stand before God just like they will. That's why we need to be careful in our horizontal relationships. We're very critical. We're easy to criticize. I've done it. You've done it. I just judged you. I'm sorry. But, I mean, we've all done that, <laughs> right? But we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our hearts. We need to understand that each one deserves honor, and respect. So what we find in the context is that the Jewish people were not treating one another with respect. They were treating each other with contempt and even with hatred for one another. And remember the context. They have returned from 70 years of Babylonian uh, 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 captivity. Um, They've been slaves. They're just returning. Now they're getting this They're getting this nation back. If there was ever a time, there should be unity. If there should ever be a time of of consideration and compassion and love for one another, now's the time. And here we find them. In fact, one commentator said it like this. As the wolves raged outside the Jewish nation, in other words, the foreign nations around them who were against them, the sheep were fighting and devouring one another on the inside. Isn't that a shame? Sometimes we need to understand in our day, in our time, that we need to have the vertical in tune in order to impact the horizontal. And when the horizontal's messed up, you know what's going on? There's probably an issue in our relationship with God. I mean, really, can we really hate our brother and say we love God? Can we really put down one another and then say, God and I are good? It's it's this relationship we have with God and as we give our heart to him, that impacts the horizontal. And God begins right here in the marriage relationship. A man was reported to look inside the church who had all kinds of division and strife and factious behavior. And so we asked, who who are these people? And the answer came back, "Uh, there are people who are very particular about the breaking of bread, but very careless about breaking hearts. Sometimes what we do in our theological correctness is that we uh, care less about the people that we just trampled over. And when we're in tune with God, it really becomes about the growth of that person. It becomes about encouraging them and strengthening them and walking with them. So in Malachi 2.10, there was a faithlessness to one another, which was an indicator of a problem that they had with their God and the faithlessness to their God. So the vertical was broken then the it was only a matter of time that the horse gone would be broken right Jesus said if you abide in me what my words will abide in you it's the, it's the key to all of our life and in our Christian walk if you abide in Jesus his words abide in you and the point is that if you are faithful to God, if, you, if you're in love with God, if you're honoring God, if you have a fear of God, if you have a heart for God, then you are hearing his words, living in his strength, filled with his spirit in the way that you conduct yourself in the horizontal. If you have a man and woman who are abiding in Jesus and his words are abiding in them, it won't always be easy. There will be struggles and there will be difficulties, but they will go where God decides because they're hearing his words. Because when the vertical is established, the horizontal is impacted, and this is true in our families, our friendships, and in the church, and our community. If every one of us has, a vertical, has the vertical taken care of, then automatically we will impact the horizontal through his influence in our lives. So in this truth, we enter into this context again of his faithfulness. In fact, in verse 11, it says, Judas has been faithless, an abomination has committed in Israel and in Jerusalem for Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord. That just jumped out at me. They profaned the sanctuary of the Lord. The word sanctuary can often be described or translated as the holiness of God. And so they had profaned the holiness of God. Why? Because God had specifically in Scripture prohibited the marriage of foreigners. They weren't to go out and marry the women of other nations. They weren't to go out and marry those from other nations. But I want you to notice why he cared so much. Because it says there, right there in the last part of verse 11, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign God. So what we've realized here is that the truth isn't that they weren't to marry foreigners because it was about race. Of course not. It wasn't about race. It was about heart. It was about the relationship. It was about their purity of heart for the Lord, because what happened was they were marrying the daughters of foreign gods, and they were marrying these daughters of foreign gods whose heart and identity was in a different God, when they, their identity was to be in the one true God. Do you realize one of the things that set Israel apart from all of the other nations was their relationship with the one true God? And so if they were going outside of that relationship, outside of that nation, and they were marrying others who had an uh, re- identity laid in the foreign gods, they were drawing the heart of God's people away. And God, God is jealous for us. We're his people. We saw it last week. Remember the word peculiar? God's own people there in, Tim, in first, uh, Second Peter. Remember that? We are his people, And so when we're drawn away, you know, I was thinking about this and the application of it, and I was sharing this this week, and I was thinking about this, and I was like, you know, this last couple of weeks, we've had lots of parents have children that have gone off to school, gone off to college, gone into the military, and I guarantee you, every one of you that has had that happen have been praying, God, give them good friends, give them godly friends that would influence them. I met a person I hadn't seen in a while this week, and they were, telling me about their college daughter who just kind of turned on for the Lord. And the difference was that God had given them good friends, godly friends, every one of us. Well, why wouldn't God want that for his people? You think God cares about your heart? Absolutely. And so when we get into relationships that pull us away from him, do we not need to be aware of that? That God wants us to be in a right relationship with him. And the issue that was going on here was that Jewish men were, would leave that Jewish context to marry these women of foreign gods, and it was pure, blatant idolatry against the Lord. This is the reason it's a big deal to God, because it steals the hearts of his people away. The one thing that made them unique, they were just profaning that, and as they were seeking relationship. You know, I was trying to think of a good illustration to To kind of describe that. And so I was looking at the context of my own marriage. Before I could ever be unfaithful to my wife Lydia, I would have to first be unfaithful to my God. Now listen to what I'm saying here, two people. Before I could ever be unfaithful to my wife, I would have to be unfaithful first to my God. Why? Because I belong to the Lord. I'm a servant. And if I'm a child of God in a relationship with him, and I begin to seek other things that are not in relationship with him, I have broken that. Do you understand that? Because I am a servant. I belong to the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Why would I not listen to what he has to say? So before I can ever be unfaithful in my relationship with my wife, I would have to first be unfaithful to him. And you know, I see it over and over. And if you're here this morning and you're in that, in, that, in that category, I'm telling you, God's blessings aren't there. But I've seen it over and over again where somebody begins to get attracted to somebody else. And there begins to go down this line of unfaithfulness. And every time I've seen that, I've seen them pull away further and further and further from God. as they begin to seek foreign Gods, is what's going on? Because before you can ever be unfaithful to your spouse, you have to first be unfaithful to God. When someone understands their relationship with the Lord, they understand they are walking before God. I am a child of God in the awe and the fear of the Lord vertically, and I'm resolved to live my life in the fear of the Lord with my relationships that I have horizontally when the when i lose the vertical relationship and i'm so casual about that that i'm casual about my horizontal relationships and they get messed up every time i'm telling you dear people of god i'm not standing here making this stuff up i've experienced it i've seen it i'm telling you when i look in my own life those times when Everything's going wrong horizontally. It's usually because I'm ignoring him vertically. I'm calling you people. First and foremost, before we get our our upset about, oh, he said this or he said that, we need to first humbly bow and humble ourselves before the almighty God that we call our God and the one that we say we serve. We humble ourselves before him that we might have broken hearts Before him, because of their faithless actions in their marriage, it indicated there was an issue in their vertical relationship with God. In fact, it says there in verse 12, may the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob and any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. There was a cutting off. It affected their relationship. Faithlessness affects your relationship with God. So we must be faithful to the Lord in marriage. This morning, before, if you're here and you're single, you're married, whatever your situation, first and foremost, you must be faithful to the Lord. If you're single and you're looking, for, be faithful to the Lord. Be faithful to him. Don't believe the, 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 what our world is telling us. Don't believe it. God's blessings are right here. He's calling his people because he loves them and he cares about them. So we must be faithful to the Lord in marriage. Secondly, we must be faithful to each other in marriage. What we see in verses 13 and 14 is the heart of God for marriage and how seriously he treats it. And look, let's just read it. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor, with favor from your hand, But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was a witness between you and, your, and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion your, and your wife by covenant. I want to take a moment, if we're going to talk about marriage, we need a theology of marriage. We need to understand what the Word of God says about things in regards to marriage. I have a slide, if you just go ahead and throw it up here. First, the theology of marriage. It was God who made male and female. He made him in his identity. I want us to understand that. When we talk about male and female, we're talking about being created in the image of God. He created, it was his design, is what he intended. It was God who designed marriage. And you can look up those verses, write them down, take a picture, whatever, and look at them later if you want. He's the one that designed, God instituted marriage. Do you realize marriage is the first institute that God instituted in anything? It was marriage. How important is it to God? And the uncomfortable sometimes what we feel when we talk about these things is because of what we heard and learn in our culture and our society. But we're trying to bring our thinking back to what God has said, not trying to make what God said fit our thinking. And so when we look at that, God designed marriage. It was God who first brings them together to be joined as one flesh. Right there, it talks about a son shall what? Leave his father and his mother and what? Be joined, or in fact, I love the ESV says, hold fast. And the old King James cleave to hold fast to his wife. And the two shall be one flesh. Now, I know we have many different ages here, but you know what I mean by that, right? One flesh. that that which God had designed and God had put, and the beauty of it. We've allowed our world to distort it and desecrate that. It makes me mad because it's a beautiful thing that God has created within the relationship of a man and a woman in marriage. We should not be taking it so lightly that we have a culture who casually looks at that As something to self-pleasure, to fulfill self. That isn't the picture, and that isn't how God created it. God created it in the context of marriage. And he brought a man and he brought a woman together. That in that one act, there's this beautiful relationship of intimacy and devotion to one another that takes place that only, only God can bless. We've taken it in our culture and our world and we distorted it, God forbid. God in, what God has intended it to be can still be, by the way. We don't have to fall into the world, rules of the world. And even if we have sinned, God can restore and build and lift up because our God is a, grace, a God of grace and love and forgiveness and mercy and compassion towards us that we might break our hearts before him and walk in his ways, giving him our hearts. It was God who said, be fruitful and multiply. In the picture of of a godly generation, in a minute he's going to say a godly offspring, there's this picture whereby because of this relationship there would be those that that would be birthed and brought into a relationship with God, that they would be taught in the ways of God, that they might grow up and walk after God. That we would have that mentality and understanding because it is God is the one who instituted and designed marriage. Let me say that again because nobody said amen. (laughs) God is the one who instituted and designed marriage. Marriage is not only a divine institute because like I said a minute ago, it's the first. It's in the sacredness and the beauty of how God treats marriage that I begin to see how important marriage is, is to him in light of him and his word. In verses 13 and 14, it talks about them weeping and groaning because of their offerings weren't being accepted. Some think this might have been the, uh, the weeping and the tears of the, of the women who have been divorced or set aside and treated so so horribly. But I really think it's those there were the men who were divorcing their wives that are weeping. They're like, why is God not listening? And the reason I think that is he says in verse 14, but you say, why does he not? They didn't understand. Why isn't God accepting, accepting my offering, my sacrifices? And when you look at verse 14, it just unpacks the beauty of marriage. Listen, 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 young people. If you're not married here this morning, Listen to the importance of what God is saying about marriage and how important it is. Hear these words of the one who designed it, the one who who blesses in those relationships when our hearts are devoted to him. It impacts the horizontal and the relationships that could take place. And the first thing he says there in verse 14 after they ask, "But but you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was a witness between you and the wife of your youth. God was a witness. God is the one who designed the marriage. He is the one who witnesses the marriage. That's why when I marry folks, I always have this phrase, before God, we're in the presence is the same before God. Why? Because I believe that when we're getting married, that when we're giving those vows, because God is our witness, he's there. These two folks who are coming together and making a commitment before the Lord. And he's the witness of that at the very moment. And then he says, between the wife, between you and your wife, this union is a divine design. A man and a woman becoming one flesh. And like I was talking a minute ago, the design of God and man, the God of a man and a woman becoming one flesh is one of the most sacred, beautiful, intimate designs in all of creation. That God would set apart a man and a woman to come together in love, in devotion, in faithfulness, and loyalty with one another to be joined in that way. And when our world just tramples over it, it, should, it just ticks me off. That we would have hearts that are set apart to him to a point to recognize unholiness and unrighteousness. But again, it doesn't change the purpose by which God intended, because it can still be. And this is why God is lovingly calling us back to himself. He's calling us to himself. He says, the wife of your youth. <laughs> I was thinking about this this week, and uh, um, I remember meeting my wife in college, The first time I saw her, I just like man, God, you just outdid yourself. I would see her on campus. I used to always joke that she chased me all over campus. But it was really because I knew where she was going, so I would be there. And i go, oh, you're just chasing me. <laughs> you know, like a typical guy, we're trying to act all cool. And underneath, oh, how amazing is this person? She actually said hi to me today. And the connection that developed and that grew was a connection we only shared. It was our connection. And we carried that into marriage. And you realize how precious this gift is from God not the gift of a person, but the gift of a relationship. And you realize it's worth fighting for. Hasn't always been easy in be 39 years this, this December. <laughs> there was year 17, I wondered. <laughs> hasn't always been easy. You have no idea. Like, when we got married, I had no idea what was coming. The ups and downs, the heartaches that would give way to love. Even like even to the Lord this week, I said, I did not understand how beautiful and powerful you are in the sacredness of this relationship and marriage. The wife of your youth. She is your companion. There's one thing I tell young couples all the time is you're sharing life together. My wife doesn't belong to me. My wife could say tomorrow, I don't want you anymore. I can't do anything about that. I don't think that will happen because of our relationship. But we share life. We share the victories. We share the defeats. We are not defined by the events of our life, but the journey that we share in life's in its most intimate moments. She's my wife. I love her. And it's because God designed that. He's given us times of, of restoration when we both have not had the vertical correct. And he's given us time and opportunities to grow because she is the wife of my youth. She is your companion. And she's the one I share my life with. And then it says there, wife, covenant, witnessed by God, a walk of oneness. It's a promise to withhold nothing from God vertically, allowing God to impact the horizontal oneness of my marriage. It begins here. Marriage begins here. God made us one. Verse 15, he, he says, did he not Make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union. And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. There's this picture whereby God made us one flesh. He made us one. And that there would be this offspring, this growing in the family of God in the generations of life that there would be this, uh, this, this continuation of giving our hearts to God. So we must be faithful to the Lord in marriage. We must be faithful to each other and in marriage, but we also must be faithful, or we will falter. We will falter. Look what he says in the last part of verse 15. So, in light of everything we're saying, so guard yourselves in your spirit, and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your you. He repeats that in the last part of verse 16. He says it both twice here, because it's so important to guard your spirit, yourselves in your spirit. Let none of you Be faithless to the wife of your youth. This is a command and it's given twice. Be careful of your heart towards the institution of marriage. Do not treat it casually. Guard your heart. You see why your heart is so important to the Lord? Again, dear people of God, if there's any of you here this morning, that is beginning to play around with unfaithfulness. Or maybe you've already moved into that realm of unfaithfulness. Stop. God's blessings aren't there. They're not there. I promise you they're not there. That's why he's calling his people back to himself, return to me, because that's where his blessings are. He's a healer and he restores Turn away from faithlessness and turn to the Lord and get that vertical in tune again. And when we look at verse 16, for the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord of God of Israel, and covers his garment with the violence, says the Lord of hosts, that's a very difficult translation. In fact, it's interesting because here in the ESV, I just read it, but in the uh, NIV, the New American Standard, the New King James translates, I hate divorce, says the Lord. Many theologians say this is one of the more difficult passages to translate in the Old Testament. But you have to understand the context. Again, the Jewish men were divorcing their wives, treating them in contempt and even hatred, divorcing them and going off and marrying the daughters of foreign gods. We know in Deuteronomy, I think it's 24, that God allows them to divorce because of the hardness of their hearts. Again, there's this aspect. But what I do know from this context in this passage is that it compels us to recognize that God does not like divorce because he designed marriage and he designed it to be a lasting covenant. Now, here's something I I really want to say. I was really wanting to say this at the beginning, but i felt like this would be more powerful in this woman. Here's something I want to say to you, that I' am aware of this subject, and the difficulty of it is for, for many of us. And here's what I'm aware of pastorally. I'm aware of the many different situations that are represented in marriage, even potentially in this room. I'm aware of the complexities of marriage. I'm aware of the complexities of hurt. I'm aware of the complexities of suffering. I'm aware of the complexities of each individual situation when it comes to things like marriage, divorce, and remarriage. I even experienced some of those complexities as a child. I never knew my birth father been born out of wedlock. I saw my mom remarried to a man in It was his second marriage. And I saw them divorce and remarry at some point. And every single time I would tell you it was not a fun situation to be in. I've never heard anybody say I went through divorce and it was like a vacation. It was the most enjoyable thing I ever experienced in my life. It is difficult because God designed those relationships for a very particular way. And so the sharing this morning, this. In truth, in God's Word, the thing I've been praying is, God, I don't want to be unloving in addressing these issues, because I love each and every one of you. And if you know me, I don't say those kinds of things lightly. But at the same time, we must understand what God's heart is about marriage. We need to understand that. We need to understand God restores, God builds, God works in those deals. And just because we've gone through different things doesn't mean God's truth isn't right. It simply means we have to bring our lives in line and understand the reality of what he holds to as sacred in the relationship of marriage. It is important to God that we understand and value marriage the way he does. And why is this so important? Because marriage ultimately represents the relationship of Jesus and his bride, the church. And the love relationship between Jesus and his bride, it is important. So what do we do with this? Let it humble us in his love and his grace. May it move us to turn back to him, to love him, to honor him, to stand in awe and fear of him and to give him our hearts. The more we look to the faithful one, the more we become like the faithful one, vertical. As we become more like him, the more we impact our relationships, the horizontal. Malachi is about the vertical, being right with him, that he might impact the horizontal through us. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, I, Lord, I don't, I don't need to say anything else to you. You've, you've heard my prayers all week. You've heard my fears. You've heard my uncertainties. You've heard my concerns for your people. And Lord, I know that this kind of subject is not easy. Not when, Father, we have everything in our world blaring at us telling us things that are opposed to the truth of your word and that somehow in the middle of all of society and everything that's going on that somehow we come in tune and remember and hear your words over the shouts and the screams of our world. That Father we're not just a a social group we're not just an organization we are your people the people of God. And that, Father, we need to have our hearts set on you. We, we need to have hearts that are in love with you, Father, that honor you, that fear you, and, and stand in awe of who you are. And, Father, that those relationships, that relationship with you, would impact the relationships around us in marriage in our friendships in our church, our community. Jesus told us, Lord, that that the world would know who we belong to by how we love one another. May we love well. In Jesus' name, amen.